Football is very much back, and right now, Bet365 offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, and Anytime goal scorers with over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall to wall football in the Premier League, and games are coming pretty much every single day. And the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and well, you can create your own personalised bet. If you can't watch a game live, then do not worry. The Bet365 Match Live features can be used on the app, and you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play or the Apple App Store. Remember, over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to an emergency podcast from the Rooker End, a Watford podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John and it's not been long since we've done a podcast but some big things have been happening. Uh, with me is Mike. Hello John. And DCW. Good morning. And Adam, probably slightly tired, Leventhal for having quite a busy Sunday. Yeah, didn't have any plans on that Sunday, so it was it was good to get stuck into this. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing you got stuck into, and the thing we'll get stuck into, is the sacking of Nigel Hearson as the Watford head coach. Mike, we've been here before, haven't we? This is not new. And we spent a Sunday, or at least I sort of certainly did, telling people who aren't Watford fans how we're feeling. And, and basically, I'm not surprised. Were you more surprised than normal? Yeah, I have to say I was, although as events unfolded, I sort of sat at the kitchen table yesterday doing a little bit of, a little bit of work, looking for, a, for perhaps a little weekend getaway somewhere as well, and the sort of, it just all washed over me. So there was Bournemouth-Southampton game was typically chaotic, wasn't it? Goals chalked off for VAR. Um, so that uh, Premier League status hanging in, the, hanging in the balance there. And then Watford announcing that Nigel Pearson was, was stepping down. It all felt absolutely chaotic I'm going to use that word again but also so so familiar so it just sort of washed over me and I just sort of sat there in a daze and let it all um, seep into my conscience but as a as a Watford supporter as the day went on I found myself very very conflicted um, lots of different things at play sort of as we discussed really in the in the last last podcast but lots of things um, on my mind the first one and I sort of realized as a supporter I have to make an admission that my default subconscious setting is to defend the club is to defend Watford so um, initially I was thinking well something extra must have gone on here and trying to work out what that was I was actually invited onto another show and uh, Danny Mills was was on and he was saying oh well I think a lot of neutrals will uh, will want Watford to go down and I found myself in the uh, unenviable position of telling a former England defender that I don't care um, <laughs> and that uh, really what it's all about for, for Watford is is staying in the Premier League but then <clears throat> so that was my initial mode is defend Watford to the hilt. Then you think, well, actually, this this feels pretty rum, really. You know, Nigel Pearson has done a a pretty good job in um, in getting Watford in with a shout of safety. You know, we're entering the, the last week of the Premier League season, where against all odds, we're in with a shout of staying in in the division. So I think, well, actually, you know, Nigel Pearson has been treated pretty badly here. So that's that's something to worry about. And then the third the third prong is, as, as I mentioned, there we're going. We've got two games to play, and they're arguably 
the, the most important games in, in Watford's recent history and we've sort of thrown another spanner in the work. So, protective over Watford and, and their reputation. <clears throat> Slight concern about the way that someone who, on the face of it, has performed pretty well for, for Watford over since he, since he arrived at Christmas. And then that sort of cold, creeping fear about what it means um, for, for the run-in. So, lots and lots of emotions and, and feelings swirling around. DCW, you know, the uh, we've already seen this morning... Uh, Nigel Pearson tweeting uh, and and saying how you know, he's a bit overwhelmed by all the well wishes he's received from Watford supporters. Before Adam tells us exactly what went down, how do you feel particularly towards Nigel and the fact that you know he is a manager who has achieved quite a lot in the in the time he's been at the club, and it's been a very very short time in many ways, not the shortest, but very short. How do you feel about about him and and, and the fact that it's him who's going? I do feel a level of affection towards him, I think, but perhaps, you know, not entirely, maybe, maybe a little bit more than I, than maybe I should do. If you look purely at the, at the form, at the recent form, especially, I think maybe a bit of that is because I was at all of those games in that Christmas period, the Man United game, the Wolves game, the Villa game, that I've still got the, the Liverpool game clear in my mind as well and this whole restart thing is just you know for many reasons obviously it's just felt a bit strange and it's not been good but I think he's still got a lot of credit in the bank from that spectacular upsurge in form when he came in um, before Christmas and he has taken us from a position bless we forget of absolute you know pitiful Form we were adrift at the bottom of the table to being within a, you know a, a real shout of staying up. No matter how bleak it has looked over the last few weeks, we've we've come from miles back to being right in the mix, and you know it's been in our hands. It still is in our hands to to certain to a large extent. So I do feel sorry for him, but um, as as you've said, we'll find out some details from Adam. It might not be as clear cut as nasty old Watford sacking another poor manager. Like then there's always more to it than that. I think as as Mike suggested, we've been here before. We know that it's not always cut and dry. We, we we're very good at defending the club to outside interests when this sort of thing happens and our default mode is perhaps to fall back behind the club um so it's this tricky one like I don't I don't quite know where to where to put my sort of feelings at the moment it, it, it my instinct at the moment is this does feel it doesn't feel as though I can defend the club as easily as I have done in the past but I am conscious of the fact that they have had success in the past at doing things like this that seem completely crazy to the outside world. So I do want to trust the Potsos, I want to trust Gino and the club, but I'm sceptical and I think they might have done the wrong thing here. I think they might have got rid of a manager who has done a good job and could have achieved his objective of keeping us up. See, Adam, let, let, let's go to what actually went down. Maybe not yesterday, maybe not Saturday, but definitely over the last few weeks, maybe a few months. The idea that what Nigel has achieved. We know that he had a short-term contract and that was going to be reviewed. And uh, the, the, as DCW said, and, and you know, Mike sort of put forward, it was the, the big question is why now? Why do it now with two games to go against two very good football sides, one who's coming second in the Premier League, one that's made the FA Cup final? Why now? The defeat against West Ham was a was a big factor in the in the whole thing. Um, obviously, we we touched upon that and sort of pulled it apart on the last podcast. But you know, a lot of a lot of what we were saying 
has basically panned out to be the, the reasons why seemingly there was a an argument between Nigel Pearson and Gino Pozzo at the London Stadium after the game. Um, that's that's part of the situation. Um, and I think when you get into a, a heated exchange of views with the owner of a football club and you stick to your guns, as I would suspect Nigel did within that argument, then it's only really going to end one way. And I think that ultimately, if you look at that performance, it told a story of not only, you know, one game, but it was a trend that had developed that Watford were going into games and not being up for games that they should have been. And yes, they they came up against the same scenario and came out with, with victories against Norwich and Newcastle. Two games that you think, well, yeah, you should be winning those games. You should be beating the side that is bottom of the league. That should be fine. You shouldn't have to go a goal down uh, to get a wake-up call. And then against Newcastle, ultimately, they didn't have anything to play for. Watford should have been taking the game to them. Okay, they got their wins in the end, which was great. But then in the West Ham game, you have to pitch up far better. So I think that when the the hierarchy were watching that and going, we've had worries over the last few weeks that the players haven't been performing for him. And even prior to lockdown as well. Um, yeah, the, the victory over, over Liverpool was wonderful. But you remember that drop off, you know, DCW obviously mentioned it there that they had concerns. He got his initial bounce, but it sort of drifted and we reverted back to our default setting um, pretty quickly. So they would have had concerns. They also, I think, this is what I understand, and obviously, you know, we've written this long article for The Athletic detailing all of this, that during lockdown, there were discussions over potentially what was going to be the next phase of the relationship, whether Watford stayed up or went down. And my understanding is that part of those discussions which they didn't agree on was involvement or at least some sort of feedback on player recruitment from Pearson and Shakespeare to the hierarchy. And and as we know, um, the Pozzo model isn't built um, to take that into consideration. So it, I think that has that weakened the relationship um, further. And it was highly likely that whatever happened... Um, the relationship was going to end at the end of the season and, and that the West Ham result was was a tipping point and it seems that it sort of it blew up and and now looking back and I don't think I mentioned it on the um the last podcast that we did but he was very Nigel was very touchy after the game in the news conference I'm not sure whether that was purely down to the the poor connection that we had on the Zoom call or whether it was due to the defeat but he was um he was very touchy I asked him about you know, switching um, Abdullah Decore around into a position that he's not normally playing in and things like that. And he said, no, no, that's got nothing to do with it. I asked him about Adam Messina, how he dealt with that situation. He said, I'm not going to talk about that. There was rumours on social media that there had been a bust up with Adam Messina at half time, having been, you know, hooked after a poor first half performance. I mean, if there was, I would have thought it would be kept um, behind closed doors. But I learned from people close to various elements of the of the story that that wasn't the case. But you could understand there being, you know, words exchanged in a dressing room. It was it was a it was an appalling performance. So that's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. That's nothing new. I think ultimately it, it came down to to the West Ham defeat being the straw that broke the camel's back, and they will be thinking, right, okay, look, we probably aren't going to beat Manchester City. Let's not forget that. 
if we have the same sort of start against Manchester City that we did uh, against West Ham, they scored five goals in 18 minutes up at the Etihad. So I, I hate to think what they could do uh, to Watford tomorrow night on Tuesday night. Oh, it's coming quickly, isn't it? I just realised it's, it's, it's only tomorrow. So yeah, they thought, well, okay, if we can get organised, we can get everyone joined up. Let's let's see what Hayden and Graham can do in terms of, of getting the team organised. Let's see if that extra motivational factor can, at the very least, keep the score down against Manchester City. Then that may well help the situation. It's it's a massive, massive gamble, but they'll be thinking it's worth taking. And if, if it means hook or by crook, we survive, then... They will think that it has been it has been worthwhile, but it is it's a big it's a big gamble. And at the centre of it, someone's lost their job, which isn't nice because I think Nigel, aside from being you know a little bit prickly against West Ham, overall has had very good um, dealings with the media, um, and he's been um, very forthcoming in terms of explaining his decisions. He seems to have made very good connections with various people at the football club, including some of the players as well. So, yeah, he's lost his job when potentially he might have been thinking in normal circumstances, working for a normal football club, he might be able to be building towards a, a future career at Vicarage Road. But um, we know that that's that's different. And he would it may well have been that he got to the end of the season and, and looked at looked at the situation and went, I can't I can't work in this scenario myself anyway. So um, all the best. We'll we'll just we'll just leave it and, and kick on wish you the best for the future and I'll and I'll leave so we don't know if that was going to be the case anyway but yeah it's it's uh, just added an extra twist to the to the tale of a miserable season hasn't it it is a football club and it is a setup that is very unique and you do have to fit into it as as head coaches and that, that yeah. Yeah, I absolutely see that being a problem but you hope that things could be worked through uh, it definitely feels like there's been a few signings of previous managers that were made for them if not the whole system definitely wasn't for them my you know the whole thing about this final two games you know technically we need a point so you don't need a big bounce uh you're not going to particularly get a bounce against man city and it did not really feel like they've done a huge amount to get that bounce by just putting hayden mullins uh in as as head coach for these, these two games because he was part of nigel's team yeah i mean we've we've talked and, and I, I think it we've probably subconsciously shows the respect that we do have for nigel pierce and all of us calling him nigel so i think that probably puts us firmly in the camp of sort of appreciating the the work he's done but i do also think it's it's important to to go back to the point that Adam alluded to, that since lockdown, you know, over lockdown, we spoke a lot about how we hoped Nigel Pearson would use the time to galvanise the side. You, him and Craig Shakespeare would use his man management skills, which we've all lauded over the, over the past months, to ensure that this Watford team came out flying and, and put a bit of safety between them and, um, uh, and the chasing pack. They haven't been able to do it markedly, noticeably. It's been utterly bizarre, these first, these type, first half um, performances. So Watford are in a poor, poor run of form. And I know I, 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 in the last podcast, I called, called them a bad football team. And... <sighs> What's really has changed is not a lot. You know, they're, they're coming off the back of a, a dreadful performance against West Ham. How damaging that will be will, will remain to be seen. And we've got this, obviously, Manchester City looming large on the horizon, which, you know, to call them Achilles heel would be a, an understatement, wouldn't it? They're, they're just an enormous wrecking ball that sort of managed to steamroller their way through whichever Watford side is is put in front of them, including those that have two goalkeepers on the on the bench, by the way. <laughs> um, so the worry is that what is the damage? We, we don't know this sit sat remotely sort of recording this we don't know what the damage 
will have been done to the squad. What you'd hope is, you know, a lot's been made of Troy Deeney's light bulb moment, and unfortunately for for Troy, it's probably been taken out of context a little bit. But the hope is that the day after or the afternoon after the yesterday, they need to take finally some responsibility get their heads around, get some leaders, let's hear those leaders, let's let's get an opportunity for those leaders to to make their voices known in the in the dressing room and say, look, we've got a week to save a season and potentially for a lot of them save their, their careers in terms of where they might be able to go to next. I think there's, there's, you know, you look at the squad and there's undoubtedly there'll be players moving on whichever division we're in, but the end of this season could well dictate the, the standard of club that they're able to go to. You know, but people's memories are pretty short. So, for example, Abdullah Dekore puts in two storming performances against Manchester City and Arsenal, and all of a sudden he's back on the radar. Etienne Capoue, perhaps, Roberto Pereira. All these players looking for a move. At the very least, try and, and get yourself into some sort of shape so that you can facilitate that. But my, my desperate hope is, and this is all really we've got left now, is that they have... Take, they'll take this as an enormous kick up the backside. Um, they may or may not be upset about the treatment of, of Nigel Pearson, but they are the ones that are left. They are the ones that now have to take final and ultimate responsibility for trying to bring this sorry season to an end with with with, with a, a vaguely positive outcome. If Watford stay in the Premier League, it would be a superb achievement, but it will have been done against the backdrop of absolute, uh, absolute chaos, won't it? But now it's down to the players. I think the one crumb of comfort I have is that I do think that Hayden Mullins and Graham Stack command respect. I think those guys are out on the tra- on the training ground most days, aren't they? They'll be close with the players. They're sort of closer to them perhaps in age as well. So perhaps that might play well in terms of sort of fostering quick and stronger relationships. But I'm just desperate now for these these guys to take take responsibility. There's because it would be very easy for them to think, well, manager's gone Man City coming up, easy to throw in a pretty lacklustre performance and just work on that. You know, I, I was very defeatist talking about Man City saying they beat us every time. Actually, there's no reason that they have to beat us. Norwich have beaten them this season, let, let's, let's we forget. And Bournemouth to put in a decent performance um, against them at the Etihad what, a week ago and, and possibly were unlucky not to come away with a point. So we don't have to lose every game against Manchester City 5 or 6 nil. And I think the players need to realise that and they need to from wherever dig deep and rally round we need we need big voices big characters in the dressing room to show what they're made of and to and to try and get this over the line so that the club is in some sort of decent shape to to regroup dcw you know it's the the Botso's concerns about tactical decisions you know, we, we've seen terrible first halves, a rocket at half time, and something better in the second half. We saw some possibly uh, not the best substitution choices from Nigel uh, at half uh, during the second half against West Ham. You know, anybody coming to this squad, he he seems to be set his formation and just changes those players in those. You know, he's been playing four three two one, hasn't changed that at all. Is there anything different that Mullins can do? in the next few games just to to get more from the from this squad is it just purely as mike sort of said he has their respect there can't be many things he can do you know you might be able to change a player here and there you know maybe maybe you know maybe holly bass comes back in from the cold or something or you know you you, you tinker with the midfield you you 
bring Pereira back in. It's small, superficial, minor changes, minor tweaks. But it, as Mike said, it's about being organised. It's about doing what we can. Get a, Can we get us over the line here? And this game against Manchester City coming up is absolutely crucial. Ne- never mind the Arsenal game afterwards. I, I really do think, having seen the way Bournemouth have played in the last three or four games, their tails are up. They, they were... Unfortunate again not to come away with a with a point in the circumstances against uh, against Southampton. I think it really could come down to goal difference because I could see them beating Everton, who are you know very much on on the beach to use the cliche if you like on the final day of the season, and it will come down to goal difference at the moment. I think it's is it five four or five goals between us that could easily get wiped out in a in a bad afternoon against Manchester City, and then you know you're level pegging going into the final day. We're away at Arsenal, who. Uh, I've just beaten Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final and, de- and did it in fine fashion. They look like they're they're making progress. They want to go into the season. They want to go into the FA Cup final in good spirits. They want to go into the end of the season in good spirits for what they hope will be a bright future next season. So it's really really difficult. We, on paper, we've got the worst two teams. And what what can what can Hayden Mullins do? I mean, he can make a name for himself and try and keep us up if we beat one of these two teams. It's a spectacular impact that he'll make. But to go back to your original point in the question there about the Pozzos being unhappy, Gino being unhappy, or I don't know, is the is the assumption that Giraldi is unhappy? I don't know. Maybe we can talk about him and well and his as well and his figure, his uh, his role in all of this. They're unhappy with the the tactical decisions, and I, I'm a bit uncomfortable with that a little bit. And I think this goes back to the sort of things that you were talking about in in the in the excellent podcast you did at the weekend. So, Adam, you know, you're around the training ground, uh, well, you were, <laughs> um, and yeah, you speak to the much wider bunch of Watford-related people. You know, the, the bit that sort of ongoing issues I have, and, and DW just sort of mentioned there, Filippo Giraldi, who seems to be the massive focus for Watford fans and he's the issue they don't like him hanging around I don't know why they don't like that they they, they don't know what his role is I don't know what his role is and where he sits with all these tactical week by week decisions but it's the, the fact that you say players are unhappy with the instability and therefore might leave so on an ongoing basis it goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast is this really shining a light this this you know this change that there is too much instability at our club and it could fall apart in, 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 in different ways, maybe particularly with some top players wanting to, to move away. I, I think so. And I think that it, it wasn't necessarily you know this decision to get rid of Nigel Pearson that would have put certain players off having another season at Watford. I think that the entire season as a body of work has been disruptive enough for many of the players to actually go... You know what? I'm I'm sick and tired of all this. I, I just want to be a, a, a normal football club where I can have one head coach or, or manager, uh, and we can look forward to a, a you know a season of of stability. And I think that I can understand that. I can completely understand it. Um, I think in terms of Filippo Giraldi, you know, in terms of what his role is, I think it's quite clearly defined. He's the technical director. He's in charge of integrating new signings into the Watford model. He obviously has some responsibility in terms of where players that are recruited by the Pozzos go. Will it be Watford or will it be Udinese? He is also the conduit between the ownership and the head coach to ensure that the style of, of, of football that Watford want to play is actually put out there on the pitch. And there is a relationship there. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad role that he has. But I think what it seems to be 
and when things are going badly it's construed as making the whole relationship or the whole situation for the head coach very, very claustrophobic. If you, you have the eyes of someone, you know, literally on you behind the dugout watching exactly what you're doing rather than giving you a little bit of space to breathe and, and judging you from um, a bit more of a distance, then I think people are sort of entitled to go, well, is that helpful? Is that helpful to the to the head coach? But what I do know, you know, from watching Filippo, you know, game in, game out, he lives and breathes every moment. He is so into it. It's not as if there is, a, you know, uh, an ownership at the football club that is just distant and doesn't give any feedback. They're all involved. They're all invested. You know, they've got offices at the training ground and all that sort of stuff. So I think that obviously we spoke about this before, that the culture needs to change. Mm. But also I think because the head coach isn't responsible for the players that come in, there is that sort of personal, deep personal investment that Filippo has and Gino has in particular. Because they have chosen the players, it is essentially on them if the players don't perform. And then if Nigel Pearson, after the, the West Ham game, says, oh, yeah, we had passengers out there, it's almost questioning, the, obviously, the integrity of the players, but also the integrity of the decision-making for putting those players on the pitch in the first place. So you can understand that they would take that really personally because they will believe, and they may well be right. They may well be. I don't know, but it, it's not playing out to, to prove them right. They, they have but to put those, their big boy trousers those, on, though, don't they, Adam? In that in that instance, yeah. they have to understand that, especially at this stage in the game, where three head coaches now have come in and haven't been able to get a consistent tune out of the players that they have decided are right for this football club. Yeah. So I think it's important that at some stage they, you know, take a little, take time to sort of perhaps look at themselves and then you know we don't need to fall on their sword. They don't need to ride off into the sunset. Well, oh, three of my signings didn't work out. Oh, I need to leave. What you know, it just needs to be. Um, they need to accept that you could keep ch and what you know we need to be honest Watford have been very clear that they view the head coach role as dispensable Scott has has said as much pretty much in exactly those words that the squad the team will be there for a head coach to come in and we can chop and change the head coach to deal with those players so when those players when three head coaches all with varying degrees of experience at, at Watford or in the Premier League or football in general can't get them to work then I think it's sometimes it's a little bit odd to, to sort of think, well, let's get let's let's try another one, and they need to sort of look a little bit closer. With the point yeah. with with Giraldi in terms of him standing behind the the dugout, I think when he's at the training ground or someone like him is at the training ground making notes and and that sort of stuff, that that can feel a little bit as an employer, as an employee, that's a bit that's a bit claustrophobic and a bit unpleasant. But if, if he's behind the dugout. Sort of for the, the head coach to say he feels scrutinised. Well, we're in, a, we're in an era when every single incident gets replayed on social media, on every TV station in the world, ad nauseum. Uh, there's 30, 40, 50, 60,000 fans in the ground watching every game, screaming their their opinions um, at the head coach and, and the players. So, you know, Filippo Giraldi sort of bobbing around uh, on a game day, I think, is perhaps a little bit of a red herring. What I think the problem is, and why, why I think Watford fans are critical, is because he is the visible 
arm. He is the visible part of this this model. Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury are, are correctly sat in the director's box. They don't do much media. We don't hear from them very much. And you know, the statement yesterday was was short and well, not particularly sweet, was it? Uh, th- so the communication from that that side, that that top end, isn't isn't. There isn't much of it. It's almost non-existent. So Filippo Giraldi is almost the human embodiment of the of the Pozzo ownership. And I think when Watford supporters see him, that's the place. That's the only place they can really sort of identify with, if that, if that makes sense. So uh, playing devil's advocate to a degree, like I said, conflicted in all of this. But I just it's, I just wonder whether with, with Giraldi, it's slightly the the ire is a little bit is misplaced. It's a question more than a statement. Just just a quick point on on Giraldi. Do you not think that it would be so easy for the club to just let us into his world a little bit and like you know do a piece of him in the newspapers? Give him in, give him an interview with you, Adam, on the Athletic. Do it on your own club podcast that you've got. We don't know anything about this man. We don't know anything about his background. We don't know how. And I think there's sort there is a little bit of a suspicion around him. Maybe, quite possibly unfairly so. He's obviously competent and capable enough to have got himself in this position in the first place but he seemingly has so much influence over signings and the technical side of things and the you know how we how we review the performance of the head coach whoever it is at the time and it goes back to that point you were making the other day Adam the communication from the top level of the club I don't think has been good enough we, we've heard what one interview from from Gino in his whole time that he's been at the club you know peppered with the odd sort of statement here and there or or bit in the program Duxbury to his credit is speaks on a sort of at least semi-regular basis he, he is open as you said Mike he's open about the structure about the head coach and how they view it but I think the time has come now before this decision with Nigel Pearson was made this summer they need to account for this season. They need to hold their hands up and speak to the supporters. Whether that's whether that's is it an interview on the website, whether that's doing another you know at your place at our place situation, whatever it may be, they've got to be a bit more open with the supporters because they've had the supporters on side for a lot for, for throughout their reign pretty much because pretty much it's all been successful. It's all been travelling in in the right direction regardless of the churn of head coaches. We've always been defending our club to the outside world, but. I think you are in danger now of there being a slight tipping point where fans are starting to lose faith in people like Gino, in people like Giraldi. And they can remedy that by talking to us and explaining to us what's going on at this club. But where where do we go next in terms of head coach? The the good thing I liked about Nigel Pearson's uh, appointment was that it, it took a bit of time. Now, I don't know why it took a bit of time. Was it because they wanted to get it right? Or was it that it took the, their first choices weren't available adam do you, do you have any insight into 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 that process because previously it's been you know the next next one's ready to come off the rank i think we're sort of in a similar situation now that we were when they wanted simply they wanted kike sanchez flores out of the building because of um, what he was doing to the team uh, in their eyes so that has almost dictated that there is going to be a little bit of a gap before the next appointment. And I think also, to, to the credit of, of um, Hayden Mullins and Graham Stack, the the difference that they made to the Watford side, um, just very quickly, very, very quick turnaround, after the game against Southampton, and then there was a midweek game against Leicester, and then the game against Crystal Palace, they did change things around, and they seemed to sort of have, have a bit of an impact. And it's, it's perhaps... Uh, a shame, really, that they weren't given, you know, more of an opportunity at that point. But then, you know, to to the 
the owner's credit, they thought, well, let's get someone who's a bit more wily like Nigel Pearson and bring him in. So I think that they will take their time, at least a, a week. My understanding is that they have already had discussions, you know, even as far back as lockdown, as to who might be the right person to take over after um, Nigel Pearson anyway. I mean, that is not, that's not going behind the back of, of Nigel Pearson and, and all that sort of stuff. I think that's just them getting prepared. I mean, on the whole, usually they would like to appoint their next head coach almost <laughs> the, the, the moment that the previous head coach is clearing his desk. We know that they like to do it that way. Um, but they know in particular that they have to get an appointment done quickly because this is the shortest pre-season that they're going to have. Um, and it may even be even shorter if um, you know the the EFL starts earlier and Watford are relegated, so um, I think that there will be names that they have considered in the past. Someone like Sabri Lamushi potentially at Nottingham Forest. I haven't got any sort of firm information that that is someone that they um, definitely want, but I know that he was to their liking after Kike Sanchez Flores was sacked. So maybe if Nottingham Forest don't come up and maybe he thinks, well, yeah, I've shown enough in the championship. If I get an opportunity to get a Premier League job, then maybe that might be something. So that's one to sort of look out for, I, I suppose. There were other names that were mentioned at the time of Kike's departure. I mean, it was funny that Kike Setien, who was actually approached, um, he was on their list originally and then he got the Barcelona job. So, um, yeah, he did, he did pretty well. Uh, and then there was also names like Marcelino, who was previously in charge at, at Valencia. So these are all sort of your classic Pozzo appointment names, being a continental coach. It's not a, you know, a British, British coach. So I would, I would think that they want to get a coach in a similar vein to Javi Gracia and someone that is going to play, um, more sort of expansive football, be more of a progressive coach rather than someone who's a, a bit more of a sort of a standard definition rather than high definition coach in terms of their tactical uh, willingness to, to evolve now being you know being a younger coach perhaps and that's not being completely disparaging about Nigel Pearson because sometimes you can overcomplicate the game and I think he showed when he took over that you just have to do the simple things right but then that sort of evaporated after he lost some of his more potent weapons like Ishmael Assar and then obviously after lockdown without uh, Gerard Delafeo as well so I think in, sh in short I've given you a long answer but in, in short I think they will want to get the appointment done quickly and I would expect I would expect that they would um, want to appoint a, a continental coach that is more in keeping with their overall plan for the club. So, Mike, does it feel like this this whole thing with Nigel Pearson was a was a, an experiment for the Pozzos in, in fitting into their system? No, I think it was a uh, I think it was decision born of the of the situation, wasn't it? We were in absolutely dire straits, cut us cut adrift at the bottom of the of the table uh, a long long way from safety and I think there's an availability issue but Nigel Pearson has got previous when it comes to um, getting teams out of uh, out of difficult situations so I think there was eyebrows raised initially weren't, weren't there when he came in because he doesn't fit the standard uh, Pozzo model does he in terms of, of head coach but then when you you take a little bit of time to think about his his time in the game and what he's achieved then it then it seemed to make sense and you know I maintain that 
if a head coach comes in and makes a success of the job, there's no there's no particular will to move head coaches on. If they're successful, I suspect Scott Duxbury, Gino, and, and and everyone would be happy for a Watford coach to be in position for for ten or fifteen years because it means they've they've done well and everyone's happy. Um, I mean, ten or fifteen years, ten or fifteen months would be a uh, a step in the right direction, <laughs> wouldn't it? So, um, what it was it was born of of the time, wasn't it? It was what was needed at the time. Now, as we get towards the end of the season, I think there has to be a realisation. You know, ultimately, we're all in this together. It feels a bit fractured at the moment. It feels, you know, there's people flailing around. Flailing around is not fair, but people naturally looking for somewhere to hang the blame, somewhere to sort of compartmentalise the frustration and upset that we're all feeling, A, about the season. Of course, the fact that we can't be there exacerbates it. And, and the fact that there is an undercurrent of feeling that Nigel Pearson's been treated Poorly, so everyone is everyone's looking for a way, a way somewhere to pigeonhole their their frustrations. And I think the reality is, and uh, uh, Steve Eustace, uh, the big Watford fan, posted this on Twitter last night. The the blame, if that's what you want to call it, is is spread across the whole piece with this with the football club. There's been mistakes at, at boardroom level. The head coaches have have made mistakes. Uh, there's been mistakes with recruitment and there's been plenty of mistakes from the players. The players have got to take responsibility for, for, for a lot of this as well. So I said in the last podcast, it's very difficult to keep a team in the Premier League, especially one like Watford and especially one with a setup at Watford. It is just difficult that you're playing against high quality operators week in, week out. And we've all, like I said, we've all started that project. You start with a blank piece of paper and two hours later a week later you think oh crikey how did I end up with 60 bits of paper and three bits cut out of there and that folded over and saying PTO please go to things get out of control things don't always go to plan it is difficult but I think there needs to be now a period of reflection across the board uh, and everyone except that there have been mistakes made identify where those mistakes were made why they happened and how they can be avoided I do feel Watford are at a bit of a tipping point. I think we're going to, if if whatever division we're we're in, there needs to be changes, and I think those changes come from working out where these mistakes happened and how we can avoid them. And I think that involves everyone taking responsibility. Ultimately, we're all on the same side. We've got a week to go in this in this season, and I think it's important that as us as supporters, we we stick together and we just hope that the the, the guys at Vicarage Road and at London Colney are, are pulling together in in the right direction that we hope. So, lots of work to be done. As always, it's going to be a busy busy close season at Watford, one way one way or the other. DCW? My concern, Mike, on that final point is I completely agree with you. There does need to be uh, a reckoning here in the summer. They need to take a long, hard look at themselves, every aspect of the club, every aspect of what we do, and, and analyse what went wrong and what do we need to put it right. But my concern is that they don't know how to do anything other than just change the head coach and carry on. It, I, you know, there needs to be proper, proper, real inflection about what what they're doing because clearly it's gone wrong. It's fine when you change a head coach five times in a season and get promoted to the Premier League, but when you do it five times in a season, you get relegated. Like it just seems that they've just got one one solution. It's just one plan. Oh, it's gone wrong. Get rid of the head coach. Oh, it's not still not really going right. Get rid of the head coach. Oh, god, another another one. Yeah, just do it and. You can't just keep doing it. It 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 doesn't work continuously. 
the, play, the players are still there. The players are still not good enough, regardless of who's coaching them, it seems. So I, I'm, I'm concerned that we won't get the change we need in the summer. I hope we do. I wonder whether this brush with relegation, whether it ultimately ends in relegation or a very, very close brush with relegation, might serve to spook them sufficiently to, um, you know, to take take that. I think, you know, if you drop out of the Premier League this season, it is a huge financial hit. There's a huge logistical issues. People will lose their job at, at, at Watford. It's this is a massive, massive week for a whole host of reasons, and they will they will understand that they're they're good people at, at heart, aren't they? And they have the best interest of the of the club at heart, and this this is damaging for everyone, and they will be worried and deeply concerned. And you'd like to think that this potential drop into the championship will it, it should show them that it, it isn't working what they, what they've done this season, and it should give them call any at the end of any project, whatever it is. There needs to be that review process, doesn't there? And you'd like to think that they're going to, if they're serious about taking Watford forward, then they would take that process seriously. I mean, it's not, well, it wasn't lost on, on me last night watching the scenes, um, come in from Spain where Granada, of course, now, uh, free, if you like, of the <laughs> Pozzo regime, got relegated, but then got promoted back and qualified for the Europa League last night. So, uh, perhaps life after the, the Pozzos, but I, you know, we, we, we have to be grateful for everything they've done. Uh, I think we that goes that's that that is red, isn't it? We take that as red. They rescued Watford in effect and have given us Premier League football and some wonderful memories. But you do hope that I just think this this flirtation, the way this season's gone, it would have been so disappointing for them. And I think they have to learn. Football changes every day, every week, every every season. You have to adapt. You adapt or die in effect, and that goes for for them as well. I think, and I will err on the positive side that they will use, and I hope the process will have started already. The, the proof of the pudding, of course, will be in the eating, which reminds me, I'm hungry. Adam, is there anything you want to finish off with? I'm really looking forward to going on holiday, um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. No, I, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, if they can just get to the end of next week and, and hook or by crook stay up, then they do need to just have a, have a, have a look and try and get everyone together and on board and... I think it might be that, look, yeah, fine. If if players have been put off after this season, then fine. I, I understand that if I was the, you know, the hierarchy, fair enough. We'll let you go. We'll take our money and then we'll reinvest. Get some sort of some younger players in. Try that, perhaps invest in some other players that maybe might be fresher because it has been a little bit stale. They have sort of kept their faith with with a, a bunch of players for, for quite some time which is to their credit that's what you know fans had been asking for in the early days you can't keep on chopping changing the side you need stability you need to you know a British core and things like that well okay fair enough that hasn't necessarily worked this season they just need to make sure they do stop and they do take a bit of time to to understand what has been happening and and yeah, that needs self-reflection, soul searching and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and just to realise that, you know, we understand that everyone is human beings and mistakes are made. And some of those decisions were made with the best interests of the club at heart. But the PR has been really, really bad. And everyone needs to be on the same page a little bit more because at the moment it is, it is very difficult to defend to, to, to other people that don't necessarily know how the, the inner workings of the football club work, why they would continue to make decisions like they have with, with Nigel Pearson. So, yeah, I just hope that they just can stop, fingers crossed, still in the Premier League on that Monday morning after, after the game against Arsenal 
and be able to say, right, come on, this is when we can really sit down and hammer things out because we never want to be in this situation again. You can read Adam's full article about the exit of Nigel Pearson from Watford over at The Athletic. If you want to get your free 30-day trial, please go to theathletic.com forward slash end where you can get your subscription and access to all the content from the team at The Athletic. Thank you very much, DCW. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. An absolute pleasure. I'll see you on Wednesday to uh, talk about our next head coach. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, and thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, no worries. Uh, more now than ever. Come on, you ones. Heartfelt from the bottom of my very being and existence. One week to go. Come on, you horns.